Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. And this is the 50th episode of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. But we do these weekly, so 50 isn't so much of a milestone as 52 is. I mean, this isn't like the metric system. This is a calendar. Um, so 50 is, is important, and we do a special kind of uh, interaction kind of podcast every 10 episodes. So we're doing that today. We have uh, four uh, pieces of feedback I'm interacting with, but it's not really that special as far as a milestone goes. Uh, next week's going to be a great uh, milestone because next week is the four-year anniversary of Casting Across, so I'll have a little bit of different content on the podcast for that. And then the following week, that is the 52nd podcast, 52 weeks in a year, a one-year anniversary of the podcast. And a little bit of a sneak peek, I have said before that I don't do interviews on the podcast. That's Other people do that, and they do it great. Why would I want to try to reinvent the wheel? I try to find my niche and stay in my lane. However, I am going to make an exception for the 52nd episode of the podcast for the one-year anniversary, and we are not going to have one but two special guests, uh, people that have been incredibly influential in my fly fishing in the last uh, few years. So you have that to look forward to for 51 and 52, but we're 50, and thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Please, and I say this at the end of every episode, but please leave a review on iTunes. The rating is awesome. I love that, seeing those five stars. I, I love seeing that. It's fantastic. But the reviews are super helpful too. So I really appreciate everyone who has done that, and I would just encourage you to do that if you think that I deserve it. And if you think that I have room for improvement, then certainly let me know that as well. For example, a recent review on the iTunes charts is great fly fishing content from Dean. 
So thank you, Dean. But this is what Dean says. He says, listen, if you would like gaining perspective on all aspects of the sport of fly fishing, tips, gear, trips, and the quote unquote industry, only suggestion to Matt would be to bump up the recording level. It seems low compared to other podcasts I enjoy. Thank you, Dean. And Dean is not the only person to mention the volume of the recording. People are fine with the recording quality. I have been tweaking the way that the podcast gets published so that it will come through a little bit louder and be kind of the same as a lot of the other really popular podcasts. I am not an audio engineer. I'm using a $200 microphone off Amazon and my work laptop to record this in my bedroom. So there's lots of, you know, drapes and comforters and things like that to absorb ambient sound. And so this is not what I do, uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm trying to get it on lock and I think we're getting close. They definitely have gotten better, but I have really high standards for how this sounds. I wouldn't want to listen to something that doesn't sound good. In fact, if I have podcasts that I usually listen to and either they are in a weird place or their guest is in a weird place and the audio is bad, it's just hard after listening to so many good things, so many podcasts with super high production value because they actually have infused a lot of money into it to make concessions if you're totally not into it. So especially if somebody's listening to this podcast for the first time and uh, they think the audio quality is not great, I wouldn't want them to get turned off by the audio quality. So thank you, Dean, and others who have chimed in regarding the audio quality. Hopefully we are continuing to improve. Second piece of feedback was from Rob, and this is Rob's feedback on a article that was called How Young is Too Young to Flycast? And this article got some great traction because it got shared by the good people at MidCurrent. I'll talk about MidCurrent later in the recommendation portion of the uh, podcast. But Rob said on the article, How Young is Too Young to Flycast? He says, eye protection. All kids and adults, for that matter, should wear sunglasses. So the article was all about how to get your kid to learn how to cast, either your kid or your grandkid or a, a neighbor that you're taking fly fishing. And just some of the kid-specific casting instruction techniques that I have found are valuable. Honestly, they're probably super applicable to anybody, uh, but for kids especially, there's some tips in that article, um, how young is too young to fly cast, that I think are very, very helpful. But I didn't mention in that specific article what Rob brings up, which is to wear eye protection. I know in some of my other casting instruction and casting practice articles, I mentioned that, but that's one of those things I probably should, no matter how repetitious it feels to me, knowing that not everybody reads every article that I write, I should include some pertinent information like that. So sunglasses, obviously very important. If you don't wear normal glasses, even in low light conditions, you should be wearing sunglasses or some sort of eye protection. Uh, get yellow lenses, pale yellow Lenses are awesome for early morning and late night fly fishing because you do eliminate that glare and get that polarization. And some of the premium outdoor sunglass manufacturers do make that pale yellow lens, and it's great. It, uh, it makes all the difference. You're not squinting, but you're also getting that eye protection. I'm planning on talking about sunglasses more in the near future because I think it's a understated thing that people say those are so expensive but they do have so much value but a good quality pair of sunglasses is also going to offer impact and shatter resistance in case you do take a conehead woolly bugger or a dumbbell-eyed clouser right to the eye either because you're casting or you're with somebody who's casting 
I would say glasses are necessary, especially if you're with someone who's new to casting or if you're standing close to somebody who's a really good caster because how often do we hang up on stuff that we're around and even if we're good casters, it happens to be a person, it can be a lot more problematic than sinking it into the uh, bark of a tree. Now, I would say the other thing that uh, Rob didn't mention but I would add is hats for the very same reason. And if you're a ball cap person, that's good. If you wear a wide brim, that's even better. If you've ever taken a hook to the ear, uh, having that brim around your head uh, gives a little bit more protection. If anything, it just widens the angle uh, that that line and fly have to travel to get to your ear. Recently, uh, my family and I were up in the mountains fishing on a little brook trout pond, and I think we were using a lightweight rod or a tenkara rod. I can't remember what it was, but one of my boys was just way too much line got out so it looked like a big figure eight huge loops just completely cap lapsing in on themselves and uh luckily there wasn't enough line speed because there was too much line out but he caught his brother in the lobe of the ear and there wasn't enough line speed for it to dig in but it it stuck uh right right in his ear and it, it didn't leave a mark or draw any blood but that's the kind of thing where if he would have had a hat on a, a wide brim hat on that would have protected against that kind of vertical uh, piercing. So thank you, Rob. Very good point. Duly noted, wear glasses when you're casting with somebody or teaching somebody to cast, whether you have on a heavy fly or even if you're just using a little bit of you know fluff tied onto the end of your line. I mean, if that thing snaps in the eye, that's not good. So glasses during casting instruction. The next is a comment from Alex on an article called Don't Fly Fish With More Than You Need. And this was another installment kind of in my trail running fly fishing series that I've done over the years. But this one is more applicable because I've used my lightweight, super minimalistic fly fishing loadout from trail running that is necessary for trail running and have adapted that to a lot of my fly fishing things I realize I don't need I can spend the entire day in the woods miles and miles and miles away from my car why would I carry it on my person if I'm just walking a few hundred yards from my car keep it in the car if you if you really think you might need it but otherwise it doesn't be on your person so uh, after that article Alex wrote just got into fly fishing this year and I'm enjoying your podcast and sight as a complete noob, packing light is easy since I haven't acquired much yet. I feel like I've got the bare essentials. Flies, box, snippers, forceps, leaders, tippet, old waders, which fit nicely into a camelback. I'm wondering what gear or tools should I look at getting to make my fly fishing easier or more enjoyable. For context, I'm in the D.C. area and really just like catching anything in small streams, but the Potomac is still a little daunting to me at this point. Thanks for any gear wrecks. All right, Alex, thank you so much for reading, reaching out and for reading. Um, I would say, first and foremost, for Alex and anybody else, and I respond to Alex already, but go back and just read more of the gear reviews, especially the gadgets and things like that. The one thing that popped into my mind is a little piece of gear that I love. It's called the Flytrap. It is a just a, a little gear organization genius object, and it is a bar for your tippet spools, a couple of attachment points in the middle and then on the other side a silicone cylinder for putting flies on with clips on both ends so it's simple it's essentially a glorified tippet bar and zinger but what that does is it allows you to keep everything right 
at your fingertips and you're not having to dig for stuff. So flytrap, awesome little tool. The second thing I'd say, and knowing the area that you're fishing in, because I lived there for years and have fished there quite a bit, and especially once you get onto the Potomac, is that you are going to be casting big, heavy flies with weight on them up against rocks. So a hook hone, which an article that was on Casting Cross this week that I'll talk later in the podcast about is about hook hones. A little file that you can clip to your fly trap or put in your pocket is going to be very important because you do not want to cast a weighted fly, whether it be uh, even a popper, which isn't weighted per se, but you're trying to cast that thing up against rocks and up against structure. And if you're knocking that thing and the hook point, especially against rocks, you're going to really reduce your chances on setting the hook on some of those species you're going to be encountering. And especially if you're fishing down towards DC and you're fishing weighted flies, you're going to be getting into shad. You're going to be getting into stripers. You might even get into a snakehead or a catfish. And all of those fish have mouths that aren't going to pierce as simply as a sunfish's or even as a trout's. Uh, so you're going to want sharp hooks. So for a small investment, $10, you can get the Loon hook hone, which is an awesome hook hone because it has three little grooves for sharpening hooks. That would be a, a great accessory to add to your fly fishing. There's so many more. Get a good pair of shoes. I mean, I could go on and on, but those are just a few ideas of things that you can add to your repertoire to make your fly fishing uh, as, as you asked for, uh, a little bit uh, easier and more enjoyable. And a headlamp. Make sure you have a headlamp because you don't want to be stuck out in the water if the fish are on and you're catching them and you have to leave before you want to leave, but you need to leave because it's not safe. Having a headlamp doesn't completely mitigate that, but it's kind of a not fly fishing accessory that I always have on me if I have any designs on staying you know later than dinner time to fish. Especially in that area, you never know what you might stumble into. But thanks for reaching out, Alex. I appreciate uh, the fact that you are giving this fun, fun, fun activity of fly fishing a shot. And the fourth and final bit of feedback I'll be sharing this week on the podcast is from Daniel. Daniel emailed me, and you can always email me, Matthew at castingacross.com. And he wrote, very simple email, a small stream rod recommendation, Cabela's CGR, the 5 foot 9 inch 3 weight. It's the original formula. It's cheap, sweet casting rod. And see Central Ohio Fly Fisher. They have a review, and it should still be up on the net, he says. So simple, easy email just to weigh in on a question I've asked numerous times on the podcast and on the website, which is share your favorite small stream rod. So Daniel, thank you for reaching out. I have to say, my experience with the Cabela's CGR has been me going into the store one time and picking them up uh, and shaking them once. I am a little bit embarrassed that I haven't fished with this rod, which for the price has rave reviews across the board. I have heard very few negative things about them. The only negative thing I've heard about the CGR, in fact, is people who lament the fact that they've bought them at full price because every once in a while Cabela's puts them on closeout and you can get them for like 30 or 40 bucks. I know they come in like two, three, four, five weights and some really short length. So honestly, I'd love to have one. I'd love to fish one just again, because of the price. Uh, I haven't looked at the lineup yet to see which one I would want if I were to get one, but I probably should go out and get one the next time they go on clearance. Cause I've got a stack of Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's gift cards that are just waiting to be spent. And 
I suppose a thirty or forty dollar fly rod that has good reviews and is a good casting rod wouldn't be the worst thing to spend it on. I could probably you know blow it on moon pies or on socks or something like that. So a fly rod would probably be the way to go. So yes, thank you Daniel for letting me know. I definitely need to fish that because if I think. Uh, even anything remotely close of that rod, like most people do, it'll definitely make it on the website on the page, small stream fly rod reviews. So there's about five or six fly rods on there right now that I fish that I love fishing. It's called small stream fly rod reviews on the right hand side. If you're on the desktop or the tablet version of castingcross.com, it is down at the bottom of all of the fresh content. If you're on the mobile version of it, but it gives a quick synopsis and breakdown of rods that are four weight and under and like eight foot and under so small stream fly rods and right now the price range is less than a hundred dollars to about eight hundred dollars so it'd be cool to get one even cheaper than uh, i have on there right now so cabela's cgr uh if you have one laying around you want to send me feel free to do so but i could probably afford the 30 bucks next time they go on sale this week on Casting Across, two articles. The first one was called Your Flies Won't Work Unless... Dot, dot, dot. Kind of clickbaity, but at the same time, if you look at the picture which accompanies you seeing this article, whether you're on Facebook, whether you get the email, whether you see it on Twitter or Instagram, whatever, it's a picture of a fly on a hook hone. Again, the Loon Outdoors um, hook hone. And I talk about how to use a hook hone. It's one of those things... Like I've said before, sometimes we take for granted the simplicity of some of the parts of what we do, whether it be our job, whether it be around the house, or whether it be fly fishing. And if you used a hook hone and you know how to use a hook hone, you can't assume that everybody knows how to use a hook hone or why and when they should use it. Uh, so I go through four or five simple tips to keep your hook sharp, when you should use it, how you should use it. Uh, and again, why I think this $10 hook hone is worth buying. Then on Wednesday, I wrote, writing a classic fly fishing story. So this is a little bit of snark, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, I go through all of the tropes of fly fishing writing. So I know that I do this every now and again, but I do kind of get eye-rollingly tired with some of the sentimental fly fishing writing when that's really all you see. And I'll give you a good analogy and example. Orvis just put out this week on Instagram, I saw a little initiative where they want people to share their fly fishing mess ups, whether it be in videos or pictures or things like that. And because they want to bring some authenticity to it. And I think fly fishing writing at times can either be one trick pony. It can either be trip report. I went here. I caught this. I had fun. It can be how to do it. This is how you tie a leader formula. This many feet of this X, that many feet of that X tied on a fly, tie the next fly on afterwards. Those both have their value, but when it's that over and over and over again, or as I was alluding to earlier, when it's everything is just, I find meaning through fly fishing and I find myself through fly fishing and a river runs through it. You know, that has its place, but when it's one of those things all the time, I get bored. I don't think my writing's that way. I know it could be. I know that I'm not above being repetitive. And certainly people who do those things that I've alluded to and mentioned earlier certainly have 
reasons to pick a bone with the way I do my podcast and my website. But that being said, I do think, and I try not to be critical of people, so I'm being critical of an idea here. I think that writing that way is a skill to be able to be emotional and existential and metaphorical in your writing, whether it be about fly fishing or anything else. It takes talent. That's why not everybody is an author, but here we are in 2019, and with a few taps to your thumb, you are published in one way or another. I'm not discouraging people from being sentimental and sharing what they want to share. All that to say, fly fishing, it's just like moths to a flame. It's like caddis to a front porch light. So read this as tongue-in-cheek, not being critical of you, but being critical of something that we all do if we try to write about fly fishing. And sometimes uh, we just end up coming across as a little bit sappy and sentimental. This week's recommendation is mid-current. And as per usual, I'm recommending something that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fly fishers are already using. But I still want to recommend it in case you're one person that's not using it. I mean, I haven't fished a Cabela's CGR, so obviously there's people that should be doing things that aren't doing them. So if you haven't checked in on MidCurrent, made it one of your bookmarks on your smartphone that you can check in on when you're just trying to kill time uh, waiting for something, then definitely go to midcurrent.com and they have everything. It's probably the best contemporary fly fishing content aggregator as well as producer of new content kind of all combined together that that's out there uh, i appreciate that they share casting across stuff every now and again so that's awesome uh, but all sorts of good stuff on there the big websites the small guys guys like me everybody's featured on there uh, lots of good photography their instagram page is awesome some of the best fly fishing pictures out there so definitely go to midcurrent.com subscribe to get their newsletter follow them on social media all those things And again, thank you for 50 episodes. I know that 50 is an arbitrary number, especially when we're talking about a weekly podcast, and we'll get more excited about it in two weeks when we hit 52, but thank you. And thank you again if you have subscribed, if you have followed on social media, if you have subscribed to the website, and if you've left a review on iTunes. So with that, thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.